Mother Thursday with Third Path webinar. Today we're trying something brand new. It's really a chance for you to get some expert advice about how to make things work better with work, family, and a pandemic. Not easy right now uh, for so many of us, no matter your situation. Um, and so we are really hoping that today's webinar ends up being an incredible resource for you. Third Path is a national nonprofit, and we've been celebrating our 20th anniversary. And long before others discovered the importance of including men in the work-life integration discussion or the science of pushing back at overwhelm so we can all work smarter, we've been really showing people how to do work, family, and leadership differently. And I think what you're going to see on this webinar is that all of those concepts come to play when we're trying to think about how to do work, family, and pandemics. I wanted to start with uh, a slide that we've used before during the pandemic to remind us that as parents, what we're being asked to do is really challenging, perhaps even impossible. Um, but I do think there are some answers. And I do think today's webinar will be an opportunity for people to ask some questions. I really hope you've got some questions for our experts today um, and to get some answers. But to get started, I want to get, lay the groundwork around this concept of doing work, family, and leadership differently and how this is connected to what kinds of answers we can create as we get through the pandemic. One part we've learned around at Third Path for many, many years is that we can think differently at home and that we can really create a team approach at home. Um, and that team approach uh, can be between two moms, two dads, a mom and a dad, a divorced family. It doesn't really matter. The idea is that parents can work together to really think about how they are going to make it work around meeting their family's needs. Um, and you're going to hear a story today that's going to inspire you about how we can think differently around what that team approach at home. I also want to encourage people to think about, you know, who can we include in our pod as we look ahead into the future around making it work. We had a really wonderful blog that we posted this April around a grandparent that played a regular role in the remote learning for her grandkids. And so we can really think outside the box about who that team is and who can help us with our uh, work, family, and pandemic solution. But it's also about thinking differently about work. And you're going to hear some success stories about that today, too. We need to have time and energy to get through life today. Work, family, and the pandemic is a marathon. And we need to be able to create a sustainable solution. And sometimes that might actually mean maybe figuring out how to work less so you actually have energy for family and school and all the other things you're doing. And maybe if you're a two-parent household, it can be both of you figuring out how to work less. Maybe this is the year for you to ask for an 80% schedule so you have one day off each week, um, both of you, to better manage how to handle work family and the pandemic. Or maybe you can move some of your work time to a different part of the day uh, so that you have regular time to actually be involved with uh, the distance learning that you might have to do this fall. 
the idea is that you can think about how to do work differently and you can look for that triple win, an answer that's good for you, good for getting your work done, and good for the people that you work with. And in general, it's remembering that how we solve uh, work, family, and COVID-19 is remembering all these different aspects. It's a little bit about what's happening at home. It's a little bit about what's happening at work. And unfortunately or fortunately, it's a little about where you work. Some workplaces are going to be more supportive of you thinking differently than others. Um, and so that is obviously going to influence how you solve things. I remember early on, I had one of our callers ask, how do I handle the fact that my workplace randomly sets up calls um, that I am expected to be able to attend whenever they happen? That's a challenge. If you're trying to balance work, family, and uh, remote learning with your kids, Random phone calls, conference calls can be very difficult. And, you know, depending on your workplace, you might have an opportunity to talk as a team and think about how can we coordinate our calls to times that work for everybody, where you might be in a workplace where a kind of conversation like that is not really possible and you're maybe even afraid for your job. So it really, um, your particular and unique context will really flavor your solution. But I hope. I hope, hope, hope what you learned today is that this is a marathon. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to find recharge time. And unfortunately, what I've been learning about as I listen to different families we've been working with and different leaders we've been working with, some of the things that we used to rely on that would recharge us are not so easily accessible today. But guess what? We're going to be doing this for a while. And so it's time to stop and think and say, okay, what are some things I can do to recharge myself? A simple answer I heard from somebody just this week is that she learned going and taking a quiet walk by herself first thing in the morning every day has changed her whole attitude. And so she's now super committed to taking a quiet walk by herself first thing in the morning, and it just helps her get ready for the day ready for the marathon that she's part of. And I hope today we'll talk about ways we can recharge too. I think what I've been learning is something I've learned before. That when we get clear about what we're reaching for, our vision, and we really understand what the current reality is, oh, the pandemic is here to stay for a long time, many, many more months, it can help us start creating new ideas. And by the way, those new ideas won't come necessarily easily. They might come with anger, discouragement, hopelessness. That's part of the process. If we don't lower our goals and get confused by those harder feelings, I promise you that you will come up with some new ideas around how to make this more sustainable. Don't lower the goals. Get some support to keep on thinking about Hmm, what's a different way to achieve that goal? In fact, we have some free resources available to you. I had a kind of crazy day today, so I was going to put it up on our website today before the webinar. Um, it will certainly be there by the end of the week. Um, but we have a, a new free resource where we're helping people think about their family system or their pod and how one thing we need to remember is we're all dealing with a certain amount of stress 
and I would argue a little bit of depression because of how hard the current circumstances are. And so we've created a little tool that you and your other parents, if you can work together as a team to think about, can look at and say, which of these factors are kind of really impacting us in a big way right now um, as a whole family or as a pod? If you're a single person uh, living with other single people uh, and your pod is you know, another place where you can kind of think about how are we working together? How's our mood? Um, and somehow taking a little quick look at how you are collectively doing, what's impacting us, um, might help you then think in new ways. I know when I created this, Jeff and I, my husband and I looked at this and we did come up with some new ideas. So um, there's many free resources on our website for you and this is the newest one to help you kind of assess how you're doing and think about maybe some new ways to better manage and create a sustainable solution around the work and family and pandemic that we're all facing. So we're going to start by talking a little bit about the home side, then we're going to talk about the work side, and then we really are going to ask you for your questions. We will uh, tape your questions and answers as part of the webinar. Um, and so you're welcome to just say your first name or maybe even make up a first name. Um, you'll be able to put your questions in a chat box and we can read your question um, and we can discuss your questions separate from you talking about it. Or if you'd really like to talk about it but not have it be recorded, you can let us know that in the chat box as well. And depending on how many questions we have, we might get to your question um, in a way where we don't have to record it as well. But we want to give you some stories to help you start imagining how change is possible first. And so this is where I get to introduce you to our amazing resources that are joining us today. Uh, we have a group of what we call integrated life advocates. They help us uh, help you. They are trained work-life coaches or couples counselors or career counselors who have been trained to think about the whole system approach to change, where you need to think about work and family and careers all together, and then you come up with the best answers. And today we're gonna to have Bryn Jones joining us, um, and she's gonna tell us a little bit about uh, how she rearranged things around work and family, and I think you're gonna find her story very inspirational. She really thought outside the box in many ways around uh, how to make this a sustainable solution, um, including some time where she had some recharge time. Um, and you're also going to hear from uh, Paul Gilbride, and he's going to give you some examples of some of the clients he's worked with and how they've been thinking outside the box around work, the work side of the equation. So to get started, we're going to have Bryn talk a little bit about how she's arranged things, work uh, family-wise to make it work for the long run. Bryn, welcome, and please tell us, how did you create this team approach? What are some of the unique needs of your family? Um, how do you stay clear about uh, what the schedule is and check in around it and make changes around it? And have you found out ways to create recharge time? We want to hear, Bryn. Thanks for being with us. Thanks, Jessica. I'm happy to be here. I have to laugh a little at your question just because it's um, it's an ongoing process of figuring it out, right? Like as the situation has changed over and over and over and continues to change, um, adapting has been the 
greatest skill I think I've relied on. Um, so, so for everyone listening, I, I am divorced uh, for four years now, and I have two boys aged 10 and 7. Um, and I co-parent with their dad. We, we remain um, in a good relationship. Um, and his mom lives with them. So the, our, our kids are with us 50-50 in normal times. Um, and his mom helps, helps out tremendously. Um, so I'm in Arizona and we sheltered in place in March. Um, it was right at the beginning of my boys' spring break. Um, our schools shut down pretty quickly and the schools scrambled to figure out how to do online as we did too. I think, you know, given, given the time I have today, just sort of pulling out the most helpful things, communication has been essential. Um, I, even more so maybe than when we were married, um, because we are in two places, but we are so interconnected with our kids going back and forth. We, we decided that our kids would continue to go back and forth. I really appreciated you having that opening slide, Jessica, with, with Emily King, because very early on in our conversations about what was most important, we decided that the emotional and mental well-being of our children was at the forefront of everything. And so we let go a lot of expectations around school. Um, we, we had our boys. Um, I was doing part-time two, two and a half days a week um, with them doing school while I was working. And then their grandma was, was taking the other days of the week. Um, but we all agreed that if school became too stressful, then that was that was going to be let go because we really wanted our boys to feel connected to us um, and and really make it through this with um, feeling loved and cared for. That was that was the most important thing. So so that became really sort of our north star. We tried to make it work with our usual co-parenting schedule. And after a short while, it became very apparent that that was too stressful for all of us. It was too confusing the way we were trying to do schooling and nights at houses. So we adjusted the schedule um, and made it a little more simple. And, and we've been continuing to use that schedule. Um, as we look at our schools are starting on August 10th, um, our kids will be doing online learning again. So we're going to be adjusting the schedule again so that their their dad can be more involved in, in the schooling this time. He works outside of the home, so that's a different kind of challenge for him. Um, but we're in the process right now of, of working through what that schedule is going to look like. I know my time is just about up, but I just want to slide in there. The self-care piece has been huge. Um, finally took a couple weeks off, even though I wasn't going anywhere, staying home. Um, really made having that break just made a huge, huge difference and, and a really good reminder of how important getting a break is. So, yeah. so much more to share, Jessica, but, but I know that's my time. So I will wait for questions to share more. Good. Good. Well, and again, I just want to underscore what I hope you've heard in Bryn's story is here are two parents. They don't live in the same house, but they figured out how to create a team approach. And they thought about the age of their kids, and they thought about school, and they came up with something that uh, Bryn 
said described as a North Star, what's most important? And they decided their North Star was the emotional well-being of their children. And so they wanted to work together to kind of make sure their children had a solid uh, emotional well-being as they go through difficult times. What a beautiful thing. And they've really worked collaboratively uh, to kind of think about how to do work differently and family differently. And yes, friends, recharge time is so connected to emotional well-being. Um, so, you know, really kudos to you on all the excellent thinking you were doing around all this and continue to do, as you said. Um, it's all about adaptability. Um, it keeps on changing. It's hard to know. It's all about communication. Um, so yay for you guys to model that so well to your children, too. Paul, you're going to share a couple stories about people who thought about how to do work differently. Because again, one thing I've heard from parents is that if they're trying to do a full, both do, even let's say, you know, they're not even worried for their jobs. They're not even worried financially. Uh, they're able to work remotely, but they're both doing full-time jobs. And then they're also trying to do remote learning with their kids. What I've heard from parents over and over and over again is that um, trying to make that all, smoosh that all into the same space, uh, they get to the end of the day and they're spent and they're exhausted, yet their kids are in need of X, Y, and Z. And to me, it feels like a recipe for disaster. Um, so it's trying to figure out a system, I think, where work takes up some of our energy, but not so much of our energy that we don't have time for our families and for some of the remote learning that has to go on. So I'm curious to hear what you've been learning about, Paul. These are not easy issues. <laughs> Tell us some stories. What have you been learning? And what do we continue to learn? Um, thank yes. you, Jessica. Thanks for um, the opportunity to to share some of the experiences that I've been seeing with clients. So the story I'll tell is about a couple that we started working together pretty early on um, in the in the COVID crisis when we um, were all being quarantined and kids were being taken out of school it, because it's a model that has worked um, really successfully for a number of my clients. And I, for lack of a better term, I'll call it a real focus on intentional communication. Bryn brought up the point of how critical communication is with our spouse or our ex-spouse or all the, all the parties involved in this process. But what they ended up doing is we put them on a real intentional communication schedule with each other. So they would meet on Sundays and try to make it a fun thing, whether it's in the evening, you know, where they're having a glass of wine or or whatever, if they if they're able to get that time and really look at here's my schedule next week, here's your schedule, here's the kid's schedule, how are we going to do this now? And so they would be very intentional about, okay, if there's two interlapping meetings, they would have a discussion about which was more important, they would have a plan going into the week. And then the if someone had to miss a meeting at their work or 
they would communicate with their boss or whatever and you know say here is our schedule this i'm not going to be able to do it what's a workaround so they they knew exactly going into the week kind of what the plan was but then they also recognize and again bryn said this so beautifully too that it it changes constantly and so they also made it a priority to meet every morning for 10 or 15 minutes here's the original plan what has changed is the schedule still the same if so let's execute you know who's going to be with the kids when who's going to be on their calls who's but one of the really critical things that they did was they had a plan for when this whole thing got blown up so you know um jessica you talked about a, a someone you talked to that had meetings that were just planned kind of randomly that came up maybe within you know a couple hours so in yep. a case like that that threw their schedule off they had already pre-planned how do we want to be with each other in those moments because let's mm -hmm. face it, and and this is why i call it intentional communication if we're having these conversations about conflicts in our schedule and with our kids an hour before we have to make the decision we all know that never ends well i mean our yeah. our our emotions are high we're stressed out as much of this as you can have a plan for ahead of time it makes these conversations a lot easier and so they had a plan of when it blows up how do we want to be with each other it made all the difference in the world it it's never yeah. perfect i mean there were plenty of times where it didn't work out how they planned but again like bryn said you have to adapt so that next sunday they realized part of what they needed to talk about was what was working and what wasn't and and what did yeah. they have to do to adjust the other piece of this was the communication i kind of coached them through with their employers and that is to just be upfront here is my here is my home situation because let's face it their bosses were put in situations where their whole team are suddenly working from home every one of them had a different home you know work situation and when i was coaching managers one of the first things i would tell them is find out what your people's home situations are so that they feel heard you know what their schedules are and you guys can work together and yeah. the other thing I coached him on that was really effective was ask your boss what his or her schedule is and how you can accommodate that because they're in the same boat. And so yeah. if you're you're creating a team environment with your boss as well, again, it's never perfect, but that intentional communication of just getting this all out ahead of time worked tremendously for them and it has worked for a lot of the other people I've worked with. So that's yeah. kind of my yeah. story on how, you know, there there are ways to manage this, but it changes and you have to be ready for that change. Well, what are we hearing in all of our uh, insights so far is, you know, not just, uh, what an incredibly perfect story, Paul. Thank you. Everybody who heard Paul's story, please start doing that <laughs> because that is so critical 
to helping us get through the pandemic, this excellent communication between partners around how they want to handle things. I love the idea that if they can figure out how to have you know, an hour together with a glass of wine, where they can talk about this. Jeff and I go for a walk. That's one way we've learned to do this, is we take this, this loop that takes about 45 minutes and we go for a walk and we kind of talk things through. We've heard scientifically that walking actually is really de-stressing. Um, so there's something about taking that walk that's really helpful. But this regular time to communicate um, and think ahead about what's coming and making a plan around it. And then that little check-in during the mornings. Oh, my goodness, please, everybody start doing that. It's going to help you a whole lot. And by the way, it's going to be this gift that COVID gave you that you can live with for the rest of your lives. Because if parents can work together as a team and communicate, that is a lifetime gift. Because it's not just pandemics that create change in our lives. Uh, change is part of balancing work and family and life, and you're going to always be dealing with change. So, and then what I heard in Paul's story is an intentional communication with your boss. What a great point, um, because again, we're trying to all figure out answers that really work well uh, for our homes, our kids, our workplaces, and there really are triple win answers if if we can all kind of be more intentional and communicate um, together and look open be open and look curious to look for those answers we are at the point in the call where we're going to try something new you might be listening in today and you have a question around uh, how you want to do something and what Melissa's going to do is keep an eye on the chat box and see uh, who's written in a question, and then we're going to kind of open up that question to uh, Bryn and Paul, who can help us think about some creative answers to that question. Um, so, Melissa, we're going to be looking through the chat box. Melissa is also our technical expert. While we're waiting for a question around um, how to think about a sustainable solution for work and family and COVID-19, I want to ask us about recharge time. And so, you know, there might be a story that Bryn or Paul knows personally around recharge time that they uh, can share about what they've learned around recharge time. Um, or there might be a um, question, a way that one of your clients has kind of been creative in solving some recharge time. Um, but I do think one of the big takeaways, hopefully, today is that this has got to be a sustainable solution. So, how can we take care of ourselves? Paul or Bryn, while we're waiting for some questions, what have you learned around recharge time um, that has worked well for you personally or you've heard a client um, that's used a really creative way to create some recharge time? Any thoughts out there? Jessica, I, I've, I've got lots of thoughts about recharge because this is something that I, I pay very close attention to in myself and in my clients. We can't do all the normal things or maybe the normal things that we do to recharge ourselves aren't enough. That has certainly been the case for me. Um, and so for me, it's been a lot, a lot of really paying attention to um, how I'm feeling, what's affecting me, what, what helps. Like being on Zoom all day long has really affected me. Um, and yes. so figuring out, you know, trying out some different things to, you know, address that and maybe there's longer time between zoom meetings or I go meditate between meetings or you know all these different things I've, I've tried lots of things and then I pay attention to to how they help or don't help. So 
So I think that that's, yeah. that's part of the adapting is just having that real mindfulness. Um, but I also wanted to talk about the, the taking time off because I found an interesting thing. So most of my clients are nonprofit executives and, and most of them are CEOs or executive directors. And I normally take a four or five week chunk off during the summer to be with my kids and we go places. Um, but not going places and my clients needing more support this year, I decided not to do that four or five weeks off. And then as I noticed more and more that I needed recharge, like, well, I guess I'm gonna take time off. It'll just be here. It'll be a different kind of thing. And so, but I decided to do it and, and break it up because of my clients' needs. Um, I did two weeks and I'm gonna do another two weeks soon. Um, it was such a good reminder for me to step back from things it, it was it was tremendous for me but in the process I also started asking my clients so are you taking time off because it's summertime people typically take time off um, and and most of my clients were saying well you know I'm just at home so I may as well keep working and and that was troubling for me so I started pushing a little more and and sharing more you know how important the time off has been to me and and sure enough people started thinking oh huh I hadn't thought about that. I can still take a vacation even though I'm just at home. And and the more that my clients have been doing that and they're reporting back in groups that they're doing that and the, the benefits that they're feeling from it, the more others are doing it. So, so there's the modeling piece to me too around the recharge. We tend to be scared to, to say I need a break, um, but others do too. And that gives them permission to go and do it as well. Wonderful, wonderful. I love that. And, uh, you know, absolutely, I think we can figure out how to, even if we can't go somewhere, uh, figure out how to make it work well um, when we're staying in place, too. Uh, so thank you for all of that. And, and what I heard here in um, Bryn's comment is experimenting, being creative. Hey, I used to do this. I can't do that. Where I'm doing this thing and, it's, and it, I can feel how it's draining for me. So kind of being observant of how it's impacting us and experimenting and finding ways to recharge. Paul, you might have some thoughts about recharge time. One is, you know, kind of to piggyback off of, of what Bryn was saying about kind of longer term breaks or little vacations. Um, I find that we sometimes underestimate the small recharges during the day. So if you think mm. this, a lot of this is based off uh, an energy model called the Schwartz energy model. But if you think about it, we are scientifically designed to be sprinters, to have bursts of energy and then recharge, bursts of energy, recharge. And a good metaphor to remind yourself of this is think of, think of a marathoner's body versus a sprinter's body. Um, not that there's anything wrong with marathoning, but it is much less muscular. It's very, um, it's very thin. Uh, and then you think of a sprinter and how much energy they exude and how they're chiseled and their, you know, and the way they work out is bursts of energy and then short recharge. And so I try to talk to my clients about <clears throat> doing things like that. So if they have an hour Zoom call take five minutes and this is where <clears throat> where Bryn's um, input 
<clears throat> is critical of find something in that five minutes that recharges you, whether yeah. it's tactical breathing or taking a walk around the block or small meditation, like she mentioned, you know, don't underestimate those five minute recharge periods because those are critical throughout the day. The other, this yeah. is a very much more specific, but it ha it's very related to recharge in the COVID environment is people have found it very hard to recharge because of the, um, the proximity of, you know, work and home are now the same thing. And it's too, it's almost too hard to mentally remove yourself from work because you're working from the same space you would normally be recharging. And so if there's any way possible to have your workspace be completely separate from the rest of the house. And I've even had a client who lived in an apartment in New York, not a big place, worked out of her closet just so she could, when she was done, shut the door of the closet and go out to the rest of her house. And that was a mental and physical separation between home and work that really helped her. As someone who really likes a separate space um, for all kinds of reasons, uh, I can totally understand. And we were just talking to somebody who had that exact same experience, Paul, kind of creating. And, and, the, and the idea of, again, a marathon, looking ahead, we're, this is probably with us for a while, how can we reconfigure things to create some space that works better for each of us um, for the long run? Hey, I noticed um, in, uh, you know, again, we're, we're kind of, this is new technology for us to figure it out. It looks like there's a questions box, um, and I'm seeing that we have a question from somebody who said, Bryn, I'd like to hear more specifically about how your clients who are nonprofit executives specifically are managing. As someone in a similar with small children, I feel pressure from all sides all the time. How are they managing? So we want a little here about what it means to be a leader, trying to balance work, family, leadership, and COVID. Um, that's one question that I see. Uh, so Bryn, hold on to that one. I see another question. What are your thoughts about how employers can help employees to turn off? And there, the question goes on, but I want to stop there for a second because I think sometimes we think it's the employer that's a problem, and sometimes it's an employee who needs to learn how to uh, turn off. And, um, and so there's a skill set we as employees need to learn. The question then goes on to uh, four-day work weeks are one thing we have thought about, but not everyone in our firm uh, can do that. So, you know, what are some ways we can help people create these kind of more sustainable schedules when, yes, given some jobs, a four-day work week might not work for some jobs. Um, so are there ways we can reconfigure work where people can really turn off and recharge? Uh, so let's start with you, Bryn. Have you learned some tricks that leaders are doing that allows them to take care of themselves as leaders, as parents, as, you know, improv teachers? What are some things they're doing to make it work for the long run? It's a big question because everybody's situation is different. And, and I think that yeah. this, this has just really underscored how that makes a difference. The leaders, um, particularly the women who have young children at home, um, are really struggling. Um, and, and the older leaders who 
their kids, they don't have kids or their kids are grown and gone are not struggling as much. You said the person who asked the question had young kids. So I'm going to focus in on that. I think the main thing that I'm hearing is that they're trying to have reasonable expectations, which is really hard for them in their positions because they're, you know, they're, they're used to, um, being in charge of everything and, and control and all of that. And they're having to let go of control. Um, they're having to say, I cannot do the amount that I was doing before. Even if demands are higher, I need to, I need to lean more on other staff who have capacity, or I just need to pause some things or let go of some things. Um, I think just that reckoning with what is really possible, um, it's a real struggle and um, that's where they're really finding some uh, wiggle room. That coupled with, they are now, more of them are starting to take some time off, um, which is helping them get some perspective and some, some breathing room. Um, and some of them are, are still, you know, calling on outside help. Um, I'm thinking of one who, despite the, the risks of, of having an outside um, babysitter, uh, they, they rely on one full time. And in fact, she got COVID um, and they all had to, to put pause, put things on pause until um, the babysitter was better. Unfortunately, the babysitter got, babysitter got better fairly quickly. Um, but you know, everyone's, everyone's having to figure it out differently. What I want to add to that is, you know, as, as a leader of a nonprofit, I'll add my two cents and then Paul, I want to see if you want to add a couple of thoughts too. It reminded me about why we use the concept of a battery, because each one of us only has a certain amount of energy, period, end of story. And so we can't say, I'm going to do 50 things, but you only have the energy for 20 and 10 of those things are family things and 10 of those things are work things and so as a leader of a nonprofit myself I had to get really really good at saying what am I going to let go of what can I not do what's most the most important use of my time we literally had to stop doing you know, a number of years ago we just put a big big um, event that we had planned to do on hold because we just didn't have the resources to do it now, I realize that some nonprofits might be dealing with some really terrible things, like they're really just trying to stay alive, stay afloat, and that can be you know, much harder to make some decisions around what they can and can't do. Um, but it's, it's recognizing that each of us has only a certain amount of energy, and the more we as leaders model that we can't do it all, um, but get some resource to help figure out what's our most important um, work and what can we let go of or let go of right now, uh, the more we're modeling to our employees to do the same thing and that hopefully all of us will kind of zoom in on what's most important and let go of other things that we shouldn't be focusing on because we have only X amount of time. Um, and, you know, we've got, we had more put on our plate with the pandemic. Paul, there might be something, you, uh, some, something you've seen around how leaders can help think differently about making it all work or some advice around this topic before we look at the other one. Oh, I'll just reiterate the um, what what you and Bryn mentioned, and that's we, you have to adjust your expectation. I mean, frustration is a function of expectation. 
And so if you expect to accomplish or have the same things um, happen that pre-COVID and have them happen now, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure. So it can be little things like, I have this conversation with clients all the time, say screen time for their young kids. You know, a lot of people like to limit that to, an, you know, whatever it is, an hour a day. Or if you have to slide that to two or three hours temporarily to make things work in the context of what's important and everything you have to juggle, then those are the things you have to just let go of and kind of ask yourself, is this going to make a difference 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now, or, you know, 10 months from now? Um, it, you really have to challenge your expectations um, because yeah. when you yeah. your expectations are too high, you're going to be in a constant state of frustration. So I I yeah. I I think we can't underplay that concept. Again, I think uh, the big message is uh, one thing we've learned over the last 20 years is being a leader and having time for life is challenging. Period, and it got even more challenging with COVID. Um, and uh, clearly having someone to share home responsibilities with makes a huge difference, um, and modeling that you can't do it all, and instead um, finding someone to help you think about what's the most important things and what can you let go of, that's a good thing to model because um, everybody in your organization needs to be making similar choices about how to stay focused on what's the most important, and um, saving their energy for that um, and so that they can make it through this marathon. There was a follow-up question around how do we help employees turn off? Um, you know, what is it that, what do you think are some of the causes that keep employees working longer than they maybe are even asked to do um, and therefore they're kind of burning themselves out? What do you think causes that um, uh, an employee to have a hard time turning off? What are some of the causes of that? And, you know, what advice can we give them of, of learning some new new uh, approaches to that? Um, Paul, maybe I, I'd have you start with this one. What have you learned to help employees know when it's enough and how to turn off? Um, what gets in the way of them doing that? Well, I think the, big, the biggest things that get in the way are their insecurity of their job. Um, you know, if they don't, per, if they're not always performing or excelling, whatever excelling, you know, whatever expectation they've set up in their mind, um, that they're going to fall behind, whether it's in their career or it can go anywhere from just falling behind to I'm going to lose my job. Um, mm -hmm. So that's one of the big reasons. Um, I have some ideas and things that I've seen work with companies I've worked with of how the employer tries to, you know, have an influence on that. And, and that goes to modeling and it can be modeling, it can be modeling self-care. So at the beginning of every um, Zoom meeting within the company, there's a agreement that is passed down from the executive team and passed through the leadership that the first five minutes of any Zoom meeting is, a, you know, just a group silence or a group meditation or the chance to almost force the employees 
to take that five minute break for themselves and model it as just part of this is how we're going to do business. Um, I, I think that's critically important. The other thing I've seen work is managers who have tag ups with their team members every day and they're always checking in. How are you doing? I want to know how you're doing, you know, emotionally at home. How are things working? So they can adjust on a per person basis of who they feel is, you know, really struggling and maybe have to take some stuff off their plate and have a conversation that this is not an indictment on you as a employee or how effective or how valuable you are to the team. It's because you're so valuable to the team that I'm taking some of your workload off and shifting it around because we want you here for the long term. You know, those are yes. the things employers have to start doing. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, what wisdom. Bryn, you might have a couple of other thoughts to share with this. This is uh, really helpful, thank you. Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I, I wanna echo, I think the modeling is really so important because yeah. if you're saying one thing and doing another, employees see what you're doing and that's what they're going to do. They think that's the expectation. Um, the you know I, I liked what Paul was was saying about the the Zoom sort of you know beginning with a meditation or something like that. One of the practices that we have in my groups and a lot of uh, leaders from my groups have taken into their workplaces are check-ins. Um, so at the beginning of every meeting, everyone puts numbers to how they're doing professionally, personally, and well-being wise, and then we all go around and share um, why our numbers are what they are. Um, and, and those that have taken that into their organizations have reported such um, great results of being able to have a pulse on where their, their employees are and people feeling safe to kind of bring their whole selves to work um, and share their challenges and their celebrations too. Like they, you know, they get to, to share in the positive things as well. So that's, that's one that I've seen really powerful. Um, I'm also seeing some of my leaders just reducing the number of hours. Some some are you know forced to by budgets, but others are just saying, look, this is a really challenging situation. Our expectations are, you know, instead of working 40 hours, you'll be working 30 hours. And then the, the last thing I think has to deal with, Paul had mentioned the physical space. Um, and just the, the, you know, there isn't that transition where you leave work and, and then go into home mode. Um, and so I think having conversations about that and, and, you know, sharing out loud, being very explicit. I think so much of this comes down to communication and being explicit about things. And, you know, the, the expectation that just because you're able to continue working past five o'clock or whatever the norm would be, um, that's not an expectation. And then that has to be coupled with the modeling. Wonderful. I love the idea of kind of a collective learning um, as a, as a, as a organization uh, tips people have learned around how to kind of separate work and home and turn off work and step away from work when, when our work is inside of our homes. Um, there might be some real creativity around that one. You guys got me thinking about something we've talked about. Um, you know, part of today you're listening from to, to Bryn Jones and Paul Gilbride speaking, and their wisdom is because of who they are. 
They are also part of something called our Integrated Life Advocates Group. These are career counselors, couples counselors, work-life coaches who want to help people think differently around all this stuff. And so we have ways we you know, get ILAs, Integrated Life Advocates, involved with their path. And one thing they're, they're part of is a group where we all learn together. And I'm about to share a slide I wasn't planning for today, um, but it talks about this concept. What we're really talking about is boundary setting. Um, a person's ability to set a boundary uh, around how much work they're taking on, um, how much home life they're taking on, um, and um, and we we had a discussion amongst our ILAs about what helps people set better boundaries. Clearly, uh, to set a boundary at uh, you know part of it is that you and your partner at home are pretty good at working as a team. My husband is actually much better at making sure we kind of set some limits around work than I do, and that's been such a great resource for me over the years. Um, how much risk you face? Are you afraid if you're going to set, as Paul was saying, are you afraid for your job if you set limits? Um, and what would that mean to the family and family's finances if you, you know, had repercussions there? Um, how hopeful or hopeless you feel um, around, you know, the more you create create space to uh, think differently and, and have energy to think differently, the more ideas will come. But if you're feeling pretty hopeless, you might need to get some support just to feel, understand why you're feeling hopeless. Um, you might have to have some difficult conversations. And how comfortable are you having difficult conversations? Who can support you to have those difficult conversations? And we've talked about role modeling quite a bit, but, you know, did your own parents role model setting boundaries or not or supporting you to set boundaries and no surprise we have paul gilbride talking about one of the other things that can really factor in around our ability to set boundaries is how much we value ourselves as a person the more we understand that us taking care of ourselves us our our needs are important too um, the more we're going to be able to understand that me putting my own oxygen mask on first is going to be good for my family, good for my employer, um, and I need to hold on to that and remember that. Uh, so there are a lot of things that can go into an employee being able to um, uh, be smart around boundary setting, but I really think starting by thinking about what the organization is like and what is being modeled there and encouraged there is probably the most important place to begin. Melissa, there might be another question. We're also probably getting close to our end of our time. Uh, tell, tell me where we are with that. We've got another question. Now, the question says, are there networks or support groups that working mothers could connect with to help through the stress of this time? So there's lots of places to uh, connect and get support. Uh, some people benefit from kind of more one-on-one -on -one support. So people like Bryn and Paul are available to help. Uh, individuals think about these issues or couples think about these issues. We have a whole list of integrated life advocates that we can send to you and um, there might be one of them that's a really great resource for you. Um, and Third Path has a lot of um, opportunities to connect with people who are thinking this way. Uh, we, we are a firm believer that if you want to make change, it's thinking about work and home and what's happening at work, your workplace that will make you find the best solution. So we have lots of different resources for you. One of my favorites is something called our Overwhelm Mitigation Groups, 
OMG for short. And so the idea is that we can teach you some integration skills. And it's the idea of practicing them month after month with the other group of people who are all learning with you um, that will help you then get smarter at thinking differently about work and home and finding solutions that are more sustainable. And we will be uh, setting up some more OMG calls this fall um, so you can contact us. I am going to share one more resource with you that might be of uh, interest a parents forum that we're going to be doing uh, this for the first time this fall. I'm going to wait a second to tell you about that, but we have lots and lots of resources for people who want to make change um, because there really are good answers out there. They're not always what I call light switch change answers. You can't just switch them on and make the change, but you can learn some skills, make some changes, and really get to a better place. Uh, Paul, then Bryn, is there another idea that comes to mind of some resources for people out there? Paul, any resources out there? And then I'll check with Bryn. Most of the time when I get that question, I refer people to you, Jessica. And to, <laughs> well, thank because, you. <laughs> to be quite honest with you. Um, the other thing, <laughs> depending on where you work, don't be afraid to bring it up to HR. There's a lot of companies that will put together working mother or just working parent kind of groups that'll meet monthly, you know, and if you, if that's something that you think is important and depending on where you work, pitch it to HR um, because they're yeah. easy to put together, but they're, you know, unbelievably helpful and supportive to have just a group of people that are all kind of navigating the same thing together. They can be super powerful. I run a, some of them for working parents and for just strictly working dads, um, and they can yeah. be really helpful. So you could take the bull by the horns or at least push the issue with your HR group would be a recommendation. I, I love have. it. Love it, love it. And I love that you said dads, because that's the big the big super bonus point when you make this working parents group include men and women it just changes the whole conversation we see we're all in this together um it would be interesting to be a zoom working parents group i love it um Brent, you might have something you want to add and then we're going to wrap up our call believe it or not but Brent, you might have one more thing you want to add yeah well i would do, there's lots of resources out there in fact it can be overwhelming um i know there are some parenting through coronavirus groups on Facebook. Um, I have also found some resource in an organization called Six Seconds that focuses on emotional intelligence and they've had some workshops that I think actually you can get online too around emotional intelligence and parenting through the pandemic. Um, there's even some stuff for single parents which has been helpful to me. Um, but I think for me the most helpful thing is just to remember like who is already in my community and reaching out to those people. I mean, one of the beautiful things about Zoom and, and being able to connect differently now is that I can bring together moms I know in Portland, San Francisco and Tucson, and we, we can have a conversation about what's going on and what's working for us and what's not. And so um, just using your own um, community supports, your friends and family, um, is one we often overlook. Yes, yes, absolutely, wonderful. Hey, if you guys liked listening to Bryn and Paul today and saw them as the amazing wise people that I see them as, 
Uh, they are going to be part of this first ever parents forum that we're going to be having, and we've tried to break it into two half days to make it possible for parents to participate. Um, it's only going to be 30 people who can participate. We're keeping it very small. It is obviously virtual, and um, we are going to have it be a day where if you and your partner want to be part of a virtual experience to start thinking about these ideas, uh, we are going to have an event for you, and you can email us, and we will tell you more about it. Um, so it's our first ever Parents Forum, and Bryn and Paul will be helping us with it, and uh, if you want to learn more, you know how to reach us. Um, so we're at the end of our call. Um, this has been fabulous. One of the things I was trying to figure out was if it went really well, um, would we repeat it? And I think the idea is yes. Um, I might try to have another one of these um, webinars where you can call in, chat, chat, send us your chat questions, and we can um, share some thoughts about them. Um, this has been super helpful. So we're going to wrap it up. Thank you, Bryn and Paul, for being part of today's wonderful webinar. I'm going to say one last thing, but thank you very much, both of you, for being here. All right, so remember, next month, uh, we might even have another one of these uh, opportunities for you to send in your chat questions. And don't forget, all of our webinars this year are available online. You can find them on our website, on YouTube, iTunes, and SoundCloud. So thank you, everyone, for being here today. It was really wonderful.